بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ جنائب is the 10th of January in the year 2023 and Alhamdulillah we're beginning the fourth week the 22nd night that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life of the noble companion Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu and I spent a few sessions in which we've been taking a glimpse into his deep love for our beloved Messenger and the last thing I mentioned was with regards to whether our beloved Messenger died his blessed head and in summary the majority of the scholars they say he did not die his head there's a second view that he died but it was very infrequent and the third view is that he did die his head So the scholars, like I mentioned yesterday, they say it's mustahab to dye the hair. And this is in reference to the fact that the Prophet did not dye his hair. However, it is authentically reported that Abu Bakr Siddiq would dye his hair with henna and qatr. Referred to Sahih Bukhari, number 5895. Sahih Muslim, number 2341 Abu Dawood number 4209 Ahmad in his Musnad number 100 and 108 Similarly Imam Ahmad Rahmatullah Aleh he relates from Mu'tamir Rahmatullah Aleh who relates from Humayd Rahmatullah Aleh who relates from Anas ibn Malik Radiyallahu Lam yakun fi ra'si Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wal hitihi ishluna sha'ratan bayda There were not even 20 gray hair on the head and beard of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Wa khadaba Abu Bakr bil hinna'i wal qatr. Abu Bakr dyed ay his beard with henna and qatr. Wa khadaba Umar bil hinna. Was Umar radiyallahu dyed his with henna. This is in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, volume 3, page 300, Sahih to the criteria of the two sheikhs with a prestigious short chain of just three narrators. So in this flawless report, Anas, not again, Anas is clarifying. The Prophet didn't have more than 20 grey hairs, meaning that he didn't count them, but he was estimating on both his blessed head and beard. So he was indicating there that he didn't die. Because he then wanted to mention that Abu Bakr died with henna and qatam, And Umar died with henna. So why did Anas not mention anything about the Prophet? Because he didn't die according to Anas. His blessed hair sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So now just to add, why did Abu Bakr combine henna with qatam? The Latin name for henna is Lausonia inermis. Henna is a flowering plant which leaves a reddish brown dye. The Latin name for Qatam is Buxus diosa, which is a plant that grows only in high mountains. It strengthens the hair and darkens the color of henna when mixed. It also makes it last longer. Note Abu Bakr did this. So note, henna is Sunnah from the Khilaf al-Rashidin. Definitely from the Khilaf al-Rashidin. And to add Qatam, 
is the sunnah of Abu Bakr Siddiq. And that increases the length of the night. So Abu Bakr would do this. So this is with regards to the sunnah. When people say, is it sunnah to dye the hair? You say, yes. It is the sunnah of the Khilaf al-Rashidin. It's disputed whether the Prophet died his hair. So it's a technical point. Because we're told to follow the sunnah and the sunnah of the Khilaf al-Rashidin al-Mahdiyin in a sahih hadith. So note the beauty of the sunnah. Allah Ta'ala has incorporated different. Uthman also dyed his hair, and Sayyidina Ali did not dye his hair. And when somebody once questioned Ali, he goes, why don't you dye your hair? He goes, the dye is coming. Meaning I'm going to get martyred. And the blood would pour into his beard. So why wouldn't Ali die? So the question the pose is, obviously, he's going back to the Prophet But at the same time, uh, a touching statement he made. We also have the following touching report. Why our beloved Messenger suddenly emerged with a few blessed grey hair? So this is a good question. Why were there a few grey hair of the Prophet In Tirmidhi, number 3297, Hassan Gharib, Hakim Sahih, Zahabi Sahih, Mishkat and Udus. Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah states Sahih in Sahih Sunan al Tirmidhi, number 3497, and As Sahihah, number 955, or 2 369. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, Abu Bakr, once said, Ya Rasulullah, you have grown grey head. He replied, Surahs Hud, Waqia, Wal Mursalat, Amma Yatasa'alun, and Ida Shamsuku Virat have made me old. So let's look at this. So, this is a flawless report. Sahih in Tirmidhi. So, now look how interesting Abu Bakr is asking. Abu Bakr, he done really great. Rasulullah is two years older than the Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr. And you can see this is a human on the part of Abu Bakr because really the Prophet should have been asking Abu Bakr. He got completely grey. And Abu Bakr said to the Prophet, You've grown, you've grown gay, grey hair. But how many grey hairs did he have? You know, a handful. But he wasn't expecting this reply. The Prophet mentioned five surahs. He goes, These five chapters of the Quran have caused it. So, what are interesting about these five chapters? Surah 11, 56, 77, 78 and 81. These five surah vividly describe the awesome day of judgment. Thus the impact upon the most God-fearing of the creation. So, he explained, because this has impacted me because of the Quran. So, the handful of grey hair that graced his body was due to the Quran. And think about that. People grow grey when they get really worried. That's one of the obvious people you know. It's when they have a really severe traumatic time, you get a streak of grey. You see people with streaks of grey. And the reason is trauma. So that was the impact of the Quran on the Prophet. So note the grey was due to the Quran. Secondly, why were there only a few grey hairs on the blessed head and beard of the Prophet? Because one of the scholars pointed out it was for his wives. Allah did not blemish the Prophet. So his wives would be you know, taken aback. 
So Allah only caused a few to sprout out of veneration for our mothers. So now grey hair. Should we be frightened of grey hair? Or should we embrace it? It is nothing but the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do we know? In Behaki, it is Shu'abul Iman. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi says, Hassan in As-Sahihah, number 1243 or 3-247. Abdullah ibn Amr radiyallahu anhu, that Abu Lubin Messenger said, Grey hair is the light of the Muslim. No man turns grey in Islam. But for every hair, he will have one good deed. And in addition, his status will also be raised by one degree. Subhanallah. So the Prophet said in this authentic report in Behaki, it is nood for the Muslim, meaning it's, it's a blessing for you. Each grey hair, you get a good deed. Now what does that mean? Does it mean that you get one good deed and that's it? Or does it mean you get one good deed for every day that you have the grey hair? And most of the scholars say for every day. So if you live, let's say, 50,000 days and you've got grey hair, that's 50,000 good deeds Allah has given you and you are raised one degree in rank 50,000 ranks are you elevated for instance similarly in Behaki in Shu'abul Iman Ibn Adi and Udas Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah states Hassan in As-Sahihah number 1244 or 3-247 Sayyidina Faddada Ibn Ubaid he relates that our messenger said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Grey hair is the light on the face of a Muslim. Do you then really want to take your noor away? Subhanallah. Grey hair is the light on the face of a Muslim. Do you then really want to take your noor, your light away? So now the wording is interesting here. The Prophet didn't prohibit it to take the grey hair away. away. He goes, he put it in a question. He goes as if to say, why do you want to take your light away, your nur? As if he frowned upon that. This would be the essential light that every believer will require on the awesome inevitable day. In Nasa'i Tirmidhi Ibn Hiban and Udhas, Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah states Sahih in Sahih Al-Jami number 6184 or 5-304. Sayyidina Umar Ibn Absa, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Whoever turns grey for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then his grey hair will be a light for him on the day of resurrection. Whoever turns grey for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then his grey hair will be a light for him on the day of resurrection. So why do you need light on the day of resurrection? <coughs> and very simply, it's to distinguish yourself from the unbelievers. The Prophet was asked, how would you recognize your ummah, Ya Rasulullah? The Prophet then gave the analogy of the horses. He goes, have you noticed they've got patterns? And their owners recognize them by their patterns. He goes, yes. He goes, I will recognize my ummah by the nude that emits their bodies from wudu. So from the forearms, from the face, from the feet. So this is why Imam Ahmad said, if you're not offering salat, the Prophet is not going to recognize you. Meaning that you actually fallen into unbelief. And this is why there's a hadith in Ibn Majah, Sahih hadith. It says, he who does not pray salah, he has committed shirk. <laughs> Look at the frightening wording of the Prophet He who does not offer salah, he has committed shirk. So Imam Ahmad said, that's it, class. 
You're a kafir. <laughs> and yet, how many so-called Muslims, you know, if my house clean. We don't pray. <laughs> and they got PhDs in Tawheed, that's interesting. <laughs> and they're not praying. Right? You know, a bit of a contrast, you know, I haven't got a PhD in Tawheed, but I'm praying. <laughs> so note, the Prophet will not recognize you. That Allah <laughs> With regards to the dyeing of the hair. So somebody goes, okay, you said grey hair, but when I dye it, it gets rid of the grey. It is disliked to pluck one's grey hair, but sunnah to dye or to leave it as it is. So when you dye it, you haven't got rid of it. Why? Because a person still knows that you've got grey hair. Unless you dye it black. This is why it's prohibited. Because nobody knows. <laughs> You know, it's completely grey. You're thinking, hey, I didn't even know you were grey because you used the black dye. But if you use henna, a person knows. He knows straight away, oh, you've dyed your hair. He realizes, so there's no deceiving. Some scholars even go as far as to say you get two rewards because you've got the grey hair and you've dyed it. Also, there's a very interesting report mentioned in Mezair Ihaq and it mentions that in the grave, the angels, Munkir and Nakir, come to an individual, alayhi and they turn away because we don't need to interrogate. And the reason is because he had dyed hair. When I read that report, subhanAllah. So it protects you from the punishment of the grave, according to that report. Who was the first to dye his hair black? Fir'un. So you're in good company if you start dyeing your hair black. You're following the sunnah of the Fir'un. So, and also uh, a report mentions it's the, it's the dye of the unbelievers. Right, so you've got to avoid black like the plague. Another figgy point this is for the people with black hair. <laughs> so, if you've got blonde hair, then blonde is what you have to avoid. <laughs> have you understood? So, now what if a person who's blonde dyes his hair black? The scholars say this is disapproved because the hadith mentions black, but it's not forbidden. <laughs> Because people know that he's dyed his beard, but he's gone against the literal wording of the hadith. Therefore, they should avoid the color of their natural hair and also avoid the, the black. But whatever other dye you want to use, that's fine. Henna is the best because it's the superior one mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet. Henna was also used by the Prophet on his feet. When his feet would ache, he would put henna on in Abu Dawood. And what they've discovered is it's antifungal. It kills athlete's foot. So again, we don't need to wait for them to discover it. So when you dye your hair and you've got a bit of dye left, don't waste it. Put it on your feet. Whatever you've got, you know, maybe a fungal infection, put it there as well. Another sunnah of the Prophet is allowed it. So again, returning to Sayyidina Anas When our beloved Messenger was poisoned by the Jewess, but the poison remained inactive with the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anas's grief was so intense that he was frequently heard to say, I continued to recognize its effects on the palate of the messenger of Allah. I continued to recognize its effects on the palate of the Prophet. This is in Sayyid Bukhari. Sayyid Muslim Ibn Kathir Sira volume 3 page 284 of the English translation. So the palate is the upper part of the inner mouth. So Anas said when he was given that poison, I could see it. <laughs> because the effect was on the upper part of his mouth. So now question, how close must you be to recognize that? <laughs> he didn't say, 
I could tell by his blessed beak. He goes, I recognize the effects on the palate. So how close was he to the Prophet And the poison was inactive. This poison reactivated just prior to his passing. In Sayyid Bukhari, number 4165, Sayyidah Aisha our beloved messenger said to her, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, O Aisha, I feel the suffering of the meal I ate at Khaybar. I feel as if my veins are being torn today as a result of that poison. SubhanAllah. So it reactivated. So just before he left the world, Allah gave him this as a further honor to bless him with martyrdom. So look how interesting. Poison was in his system. But he wasn't allowed to work. But there was an effect which Anas noticed because it was on his pal- uh, on his palate, upper part of his blessed mouth. But shortly before he left the world, he goes, it's reactivated. So now what was this poison? Kheba fell. Kheba was a, a few strongholds of the Bani Israel. And when they completely fell, they were now humiliated or so they thought. So one of the women... She poisoned a part of the meat which the Prophet ate. Mm. And as he chewed the meat, I think it was the shoulder, he said, stop eating. Mm. And then he called the woman and he said, why did you poison this meat? So she said something very interesting. She said, I wanted to know whether you was a king or a prophet. Mm. If you was a king, you would be dead. Mm. So you must be a prophet. Mm. So the Prophet then looked and there was a Sahaba called Bishr and he also chewed and the poison took effect and he passed away. The Prophet he forgave the woman. He didn't say anything to her. But Bishr's family, they took their vengeance because we take her life and she actually took the Shahada so she actually died as a, as a companion, that woman. But look what she had to do to get to become a companion of the Prophet then when later, four years later, when the poison reactivated, the Prophet ﷺ, he said to the sister of Bishr, he goes, the poison which took the life of your brother has activated in my being as well. So he was comforting her. So look how amazing. He's dying himself now. He's still comforting others. <laughs> so how do we know it's martyrdom? In Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham, in his Sira, Ibn Kathir Sira, volume 3, page 286 of the English translation. Marwan ibn Uthman ibn Abu Sa'id ibn Al-Mu'alli rahmatullahi he said Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said during the illness from which he passed away when the sister of Bishr ibn Al-Bara ibn Ma'rur radiyallahu went to see him O Um Bishr now is the time when the Abhur my iota is severing from the piece of food I ate in the company of your brother al khaybar Ibn Hisham explained the Abuhr is the archery attached to the heart. Ibn Ishaq continued, Muslims consider that Rasulullah passed away as a martyr, as well as have been honored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with prophethood. So there's the proof. So he's comforted the sister and he said, My Abuhr is being severed. And Ibn Hisham said, It's the archery to the heart, meaning. It's cut its effect in the blood supply. And Ibn Ishaq said this was to honor the Prophet to give him martyrdom. And the elite also shared in this martyrdom. Very few Muslims have the honor of being martyred by poisoning. But that is the exact way the Prophet left the world.
So some of some uh, no, uh, nobles who were given this honor, Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr radiallahu when he was in the cave and a snake bit him because the Prophet was resting. The poison activated and one report says he died. He actually died from the poison. But another report says he was he was very, very, you know, uh, ill. And the Prophet got saliva, put it over his body and the redness of his cheeks came back. And then it says that that poison reactivated uh, 13 years later. So it was exactly the same as the Prophet. Think about that. Very interesting. Same age, same martyrdom as the Prophet. Another noble you could mention, uh, or nobles of the Ahlul Bayt. Many of the, sadly, many of the descendants of the Prophet were poisoned. Imam Hassan was poisoned. He died from poisoning by the, we don't know who it was, but it was probably the corrupt Omeyyads. So the Ahlul Bayt also have this honor of being poisoned. Why? Because the people feared that the people would revolt against their authority. And the great Imam Abu Hanifa, he was poisoned. He was in prison and he was poisoned. And he knew it was the poison. And he pro- he passed away in prostration. So not only was he poisoned, he was in sujood. And people say he only knew 17 hadiths. So going back to the Prophet Hafiz ibn Qayyim said something very interesting here. In his Tib al-Nabawi, Medicine of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa page 114 of the English translation. So Hafiz ibn Qayyim said, When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided it was time for his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa to pass away as a mort, the effect of the poison reappeared so that Allah ta'ala's decision was fulfilled. Therefore the meaning of the following verse became clear where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 87, Audhu Billahi Minash-Shaitan Ja'akum Rasulum Bima La Tahwa Anfusukum Ustakbartum Fafariqan Kazzabtum Wa Fariqan Taqtulun Is it that whenever there comes to you, O Bani Israel, a messenger with what you yourselves do not desire, for you are puffed up with pride, some you kazabtum, some you disbelieved in, and others you taqatulun, you will slay. <laughs> Hafiz ibn Qayyim therefore added, Rahmatullah note, this verse used the word disbelieved in the past sense, and the word slay in the future sense, thus indicating an incomplete action that will occur. I their attempt to poison our beloved. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So what's amazing about the Quran? Allah ta'ala is outside of the framework of time. We are operating within time. Time is a creation. So when you recite his speech, you should reflect upon that. So a person goes, what does that mean? He goes, think out of the box. That's literal for the Quran. He still doesn't get it. He goes, okay, I'll give you a verse. And you quote this verse, Surah 2 verse 87. And they still don't get it. And he goes, okay, who's Allah Ta'ala talking to? He's talking to the Bani Israel. And he goes, when a messenger comes to you and with what you don't desire, you fill up with pride. Then what does Allah Ta'ala say? Sum you kazabtum. So in English, Allah Ta'ala is telling you in the past sense. Sum you disbelieved in. Previous prophets. 
But suddenly Allah Ta'ala goes to the future tense. And others you taqtulun, you will slay. Ibn Qayyim said, they still had one left. right? So who poisoned the Prophet, the Bani Israel? So Allah Ta'ala actually told them, you're going to do it. And he goes, Ibn Qayyim humbly said, Allah Ta'ala knows best. So what's interesting, this is a beautiful analogy of the Bani Israel. Why? Because they think they're clever. No matter what age they are on this earth, even today, they think they're clever. But who's above them? Right? And if a person goes, I don't understand that, read this verse. They thought they got the Prophet. Did they get it? No, Allah Ta'ala goes, I already knew he was going to do it. And I didn't make it, allow it to operate until I wanted him to leave the world. But you are actually, you've done what I knew you would do. So Allah Ta'ala is telling you something here. He's saying, look, this is the Bani Israel. Subhanallah, truly an endless and horrific list of the atrocities of the accursed Bani Israel. Thus only too well have they drawn upon themselves the divine wrath of which we seek protection at least 17 times daily in our father's prayers. I mean, I think about that. Allah Ta'ala has forced us, we haven't got a choice. He's forced us to make this dua 17 times. So even before knowing what that dua is, you say to that person, he's forced us, we've got no choice, yes. So it must be like air and water and food and drink, correct. What have I been forced to seek protection from 17 times every day? The anger which was let loose upon the Jews and the misguidance of the Christians. Not once, twice, seven, ten, seventeen times. Leaving aside the other prayers, every rakat you're saying it. Do not let me be like those people who've earned your anger. Now think about that. You've earned the anger of who? How much, much, how many buttons must you press to provoke Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala? And where's the proof? It's not. It's not an easy task. Ourselves. How many sins have we committed? Has He taken you to task? He's the most forbearing. But for Allah Taala to provoke him. And there's the one another an endless list of their crimes. They tried to poison. But look how, how it backfired. She became a companion. So Allah Ta'ala then took it away. He goes, she was one of your. But because of the mercy to the worlds who I have sent, she's also blessed. But the family of Bishr took her life. So why have I mentioned all this? Because Anas, he detected this poison. He goes, for four years, he was on the blessed being of the Prophet And just to wrap it up, as, as always, whenever I mention the Bani Israel, you got to mention their children. So who are the children of the Bani Israel? The Rawafid. Right? The Rawafid, this is what they say. The holy wives poisoned the Prophet. That's all I'll say. Mm. He goes, the wives, mm. they got rid of the Prophet. Mm. So he goes, he was poisoned. Mm. Who poisoned him? Mm. The wives. And they actually quote a report, I'll mention it, otherwise you might get confused. And the report says that the Prophet was very ill. Mm. And some of the wives out of love, they go, we need to give him medicine. Mm. So when he was very, very weak from the illness, some of the wives, they put some medicine into his blessed mouth. When he came around, the Prophet was furious. He goes, 
Why did you put medicine into my mouth? And then he goes, right, whoever did this now must take the same medicine. And he forced all of his wives, barring a few who didn't, to take that medicine. And he also said, Abbas is exempt. Because Abbas was always there looking after the Prophet. He goes, don't give it to Abbas. And he mentioned some others. So that's the hadith. This is the Sayyid hadith. Question, was that poison? <laughs> if it was, they should all, all have died with the Prophet. Did any of them die? So what they're doing, they're playing these silly, stupid games. And it's the Bani Israel. They've got the thumbprint of the Bani Israel. They're twisting things. And we said they did it out of love. They say no, they wanted to finish him off. Astaghfirullah. Because he was blessed with martyrdom. We accept, yes, he was blessed with martyrdom. But who blessed him with martyrdom? And then he goes, his wives. Oh, your mothers. Our mothers. And they don't want to say that. Why? Because they got a problem with the mothers of the believers. Astaghfirullah. May Allah Ta'ala preserve us. And maybe that's also part of why 17 times. Ya Allah, protect us from your wrath. You know, subhanAllah. So all I mentioned today, again, was highlighting something with regards to the blessed grey hair. Nothing to be ashamed of. Look after your grey hair, diet, whatever, avoid black, whatever natural colour your hair is. And then I mentioned uh, the twitching report about the Prophet's palate being dark due to the poison. And Anas witnessed this at the Allah and I mentioned some details with regards to that. Are there any questions you'd like to ask?